Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Man, I got to tell you, that sounds really, really good. My name is Eric. I am the lead pastor here at Hillside Assembly. Uh, I'm not Brandon Powell, who was our scheduled speaker today, uh, but unfortunately, him and his wife are in quarantine uh, and unable to be with us. But we'll reschedule something with the Powells. We've got something that we're kicking around together uh, for down the road a little while from now. But if it's your first time here at Hillside, welcome. I know I saw some new cars, some new faces. It's great to make new friends with my friend Donna over here uh, who, who came in and said, you're the voice of Jeb, aren't you? I'm like, it's good to be known for great things. So uh, Jeb is just making the gospel known all over the place. Uh, but it's great to have you here with us today. If you'd like to know more about our church, I'd encourage you to check us out on our webpage, hillsideassembly.org. You can give today. You can give online, but you also, if you're here in person, can give in the white tubes as you exit service today. We'll pray over our offering before we dismiss you, uh, and that will come at the end of our service. So it's been a little bit of a tough week for everybody here, and I think I just want to address that for a moment. Uh, I know for me, it felt like all week long I was trying to pastor on quicksand. Uh, we would make a decision, make a choice, make a change, and then the ground would shift, uh, sometimes moment to moment. Uh, we have several people who are sick this morning, several people uh, who are in quarantine. We have people that are in the hospital, but God is still good. I want to tell you this morning, guess what? The church is still here. We're still here. We're still standing. And God still wants to do great things. It's great to have Jackie back with us. She is finally able to get out. And so we're great to, it's great, very grateful to have you back. Uh, I got to visit with Linda and Brad uh, on Friday afternoon, uh, and they're recovering at home. Linda was in the hospital, I think it was 21 days. Uh, that's a long time, but she is on the road to recovery, still taking oxygen, but doing well. And Linda, it's great. I know you're watching online today. It's great to have you with us. Uh, we're celebrating uh, your return back home. We want to remember the Powells uh, in our prayers as well. Um, and so they've just had a, a little bit of a rough go of it this week in their home church. And so we want to remember them in our prayers. Um, also, uh, trying to remember all these things, and I didn't get them all in my notes. I apologize. Uh, we have uh, the Riveras have really gone through a very difficult time this last week. Uh, most of you know Luis and Luz. Uh, their brother Juan attended here uh, pretty regularly as well. And uh, Juan had a heart attack earlier this week. He fell into a coma. Um, they ran some tests, and uh, they found out that there's not really any brain activity. They're currently running tests on his organs to see what organs would be viable for donors. Uh, and sometime within the next few days, uh, maybe today or in the days to come, he will go in, they'll take those organs, they'll give them to those recipients. 
Uh, and so please remember the Rivera family. They have had a tremendous loss, and we love them very much. And so we just wanted them to know that we're standing with them and praying with them this morning. Uh, and then Eldon Benton is in the hospital as well. Uh, he's having some heart issues, and so we want to remember him in prayer. I know that there are other needs. I can't possibly mention them all. But I want you to know God is here, and God's people are here to serve you today. And so let's pray together. Let's do that. God, the problems we face right now are bigger than us. But God, you're a God of creativity. Lord, we thank you today for giving us sunshine to be able to gather in this parking lot here, to be able to bring your word to those this morning who, who wouldn't have heard it otherwise, who would have been stuck at home but are able to be here in our parking lot with us today to celebrate your presence, to hear a word from you, and to spend some time in worship. Lord, we pray, God, for those that are in need today. Lord, we lift up the Powell family, and uh, Lord, the fa that family, has you've been using them so awesome in ministry. They've had a rough go the last few months, but Lord, I believe you're blessing them. We pray a hedge of protection over them uh, and over Rachel specifically, Lord, as she is now uh, halfway through her pregnancy. We pray your hand over her life in an amazing show of your power, glory, grace, and mercy. Lord, we thank you for those who have returned to us who have been sick uh, and some severely sick. We thank you that you've returned them. Uh, Lord, we thank you for Linda and Brad and Jackie and others. Lord, we pray this morning for the Rivera family. God, the frustration, the loss, the heartache, but Lord, they are not alone this morning that you are in that place with them, that God, you are still moving in and through their lives and their church stands with them. They are loved by you and loved by us, and we will walk through this season together. Lord, we pray for Eldon this morning, that, God, you might touch his lungs and open them up to breathe, that, God, you may touch his heart and put it back into rhythm. God, we pray, Lord, for all of our first responders, too, in our community, uh, all of our businesses, Lord, that are just having a rough season. Lord, we want to be an encouragement to each and every one of them. Lord, while so many would look to the negative, Lord, may we as your people, may we bring the positive everywhere we go. May we bring encouragement to all the businesses that we walk into. Lord, to those that we come in contact with, we never know what they're dealing with. Lord, help us to be a beacon of light in how we serve, how we speak, how we respond. Lord, we give you praise and glory this morning. God, would you send your presence to this place? Would you ignite your Holy Spirit among your people? Lord, we want to spend some time with you. That's the most important thing we could do today. So God, we want to leave this place changed and transformed. We don't want to leave the same way as when we came in. So Lord, as we lift up praise and worship to you, God, would you draw all men unto yourself. We give you praise, glory, and honor this morning. And church, if you're ready to worship, let's hear those horns. Mike, will you lead us this morning? Second Corinthians 15:57 says, "Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord." Amen. Kathy's going to start us out on victory in Jesus. I heard an old old story how a savior came from i 
we believe that there's victory in Jesus. How many of you want to see a victory in your lives?
Give a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Pastor, are you ready? These people are ready for a victory, Pastor. You're going to bring it? I don't know who's got the little little high-pitched punk horn over here, but I love it. That's amazing. I felt like the roadrunner had just come to service for a minute. Hey, before I, I preach the word... Uh, I just want to share about some changes that we've had to make why and why I'm making these these changes. Um, because of the current condition that we're in we've, we, with our community, our church and our community, both in unison with where we're at, we're going to extend our outdoor services to the end of October. Uh, we're also canceling all indoor activities. So thank you for appreciating that. Uh, we're canceling our, all our indoor activities uh, through the rest of the month. Uh, so there will be no Wednesday nights or any of those kind of things happening. Uh, the office will remain open, but we're taking some extra precautions uh, for those of us that are on staff here or serving at the church. Now, I know that, that that might seem like, for some people, they're like, yes, this is the right decisions. Others might be struggling. But I want to tell you, I don't do this out of whim. It's done out of really trying to get the heartbeat of God and what he's asking us to do in this season to be smart. And I was in my backyard the other day praying about this because it was weighing heavy on me. I want to make the right decisions. And, and I realize some of the decisions that you have to make sometimes aren't popular. We're going to talk about that in a moment with one of the Bible characters we'll be talking about. And as I'm in my garden in my backyard, you know, it's the season. It's fall. Things are dying. Our flower garden's dying. Vegetables are dying. But a weird thing happened this week. Two different plants in our backyard that should be coming to the end of their season started to produce again. We got a cucumber plant that all of a sudden started blooming and providing cucumbers at a pretty accelerated rate. Our tomato plant is doing the exact same thing. And I mean, we took a haul of tomatoes off, and we've got more that have just bloomed. And as I was back there looking at that yesterday, God began to speak to me. He said, in a season where there should not be production, I am going to make your church fruitful. Just continue to follow me. There are things that are going to happen over the next few weeks that are God orchestrating things. There's nothing that we're doing except making ourselves available. And I believe some lives are going to be changed in the coming weeks by us being obedient. Just looking this morning, there are new faces here in our parking lot. 
that probably would not be here this morning had we not been meeting outside. I want to let you know, God is doing something great in our community. In the midst of all the hardships we're facing, God's doing something great. Will you step into that with me and see what God will do over the next few weeks? Come on. Well, let's get to God's word today. I was a little shocked. Uh, I had looked earlier in the week on Friday because I always like to know a couple days in advance what we're doing temperature-wise, you know, rain, those kind of things. We're getting into the season where snow could be a possibility. And, and I asked my phone, uh, and, and, you know, you call out that name for your device, and then you ask it a question. I'm like, what's the weather in Ripon on Sunday? It said 89 degrees. I thought, 89 degrees? Holy smokes, it's going to be warm. And then I, I looked again last night, and I was like, man, it's not going to be 89 What's going on? But I do want to let you know it's 89 degrees in Ripon, California today. So, you know, sometimes we can think we know what we're doing and, and we think we have an understanding when really there's a confusion on our end and maybe, maybe what we thought we knew isn't what we actually know. So this morning, I want to use that illustration as we talk about two men who were called by God. They were called prophets, which really, if you to understand in the Old Testament, prophets Today, that ministry position is filled by pastors and preachers. They do the exact same thing. They bring a word of God to the people. And so we're going to look at two really quickly, one shorter and one a little longer. The first one I want to talk about is this prophet or preacher named Isaiah. Isaiah was a Hebrew prophet who was believed to have lived about 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Born in Jerusalem, Israel, he was said to have found his calling as a prophet when he saw a vision in the year of King Uzziah's death. Isaiah prophesied the coming of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah had this vision from Jesus, and it was to give a word to the, from the Lord to the people. It's found in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Then he heard a voice, a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. For a young Isaiah, the outlook was bleak. He, 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 his beloved king had died. His nation was in peril. And he could do very little about it. It was a very hard time that they were about to face. The outlook may have been bleak, but the uplook was glorious. God was still on the throne, and he was the Savior and sovereign of all things happening. Isaiah sat in a moment in time where the word that he was given by the Lord was an unpopular one to the people. If you look at it in the terms of a pastor of a church, he would have to have come to his people and say, look, we're going to face a time that's going to be incredibly challenging and hard. But victory's on the horizon. However, the victory that he was talking about would not even be seen in this generation that he was trying to reach. That's a tough message to peddle. Think about this. About 75% of the church would say, ah, we're rejecting that message. We don't want anything to do about it. But Isaiah would be known in the generations to come as one of the greatest prophets because he spoke of the coming Messiah. Yet his moment in time where he had to speak the word of God was incredibly challenging. 
the message was not very popular because it was difficult. But yet when God called, who will go for me? Who will go and take the message that I have to the people who need it? Isaiah never hesitated. So that's one of the people that we're looking at this morning. But if we switch over and talk about this other one, we'll see a very different story unfold. Let's talk about the man named Jonah. Jonah was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel in about the 8th century B.C. And we're going to jump into Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, some son of Amenity. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship bound for that port. After paying that fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to, to flee from the Lord. If somebody wants to grab, run and grab me a bottle of water because I just had a fly fly down my throat. So two weeks in a row. Um, that would be great. Thank you. Here we see that God has called Jonah to this place called Nineveh. But this preacher has no desire to go where he's being sent. God said to take the train to Nineveh. Jonah said, no thanks, I think I'll take the boat to Tarshish. He had no interest, but what we got to understand that this is a developed person. This is someone who has experience bringing the word of God. He's a seasoned pastor or preacher. And he's given this assignment from God to go to this particular place, and he has no desire to go there. In fact, he actually goes in the very opposite direction. So what was Jonah's deal with Nineveh? Let's find out a little bit about this place. Nineveh was an ancient Assyrian city from upper Mesopotamia, located on the outskirts of Mosul in modern-day Iraq. Nineveh was known for having been a great, lawless, ruined city. Sexual debauchery was so horrendous that I can't even talk about it this morning because I know we've got some younger kids with us, and I don't really know if I'd want to say the things that they did on a microphone publicly to our, to our own community. Let's just say it was a bad deal. Murder and corruption filled its streets. One account that I read about talks about the king of the city piling up mounds of gold where acts of depravity and sexual acts would take place. On some occasions, there was actually the burning of people alive while they worshipped false gods. Jonah's reason for running was quite simple. He didn't like the Assyrians. Assyria was an adulterous, proud, ruthless nation bent on world conquest and had long been a threat to the nation of Israel. When God set Jonah as a missionary to the capital city of Nineveh, the prophet balked at this. At the end of the story, Jonah specifies his reasons for his resistance. This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish, he says. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents in sending calamity. In other words, Jonah wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. He felt that they deserved God's judgment. Jonah didn't want to see God's mercy extended to his enemies, and he knew that his heart 
that he knew in his own heart that God's intention was to show mercy. Jonah discovered that God's salvation is available to all who repent, not just to the people of Jonah's choosing. Hatred was the motivated motivator for Jonah. Hatred is by far an easier motivator in our lives than love. Not more powerful. Love is far more powerful than hate. But hate comes naturally default as a motivator for these fleshy human beings that we are. And if you look at our own culture right now, what a mess we have. There's so much hate. Everybody hates each other. And I want to tell you, I really think that was the devil's plan. The devil's plan was not for the culture to come up and, and be against the church. I don't think that was it. I think the devil knew exactly what he was doing. And when everybody, when the temperature raised and everybody's hatred level raised up, now I see that some of the church culture is doing the same. And it seems to be, well, if you're raising your hatred and meanness and aggression to this level, the church will do the same. And that is not what we're called to do. We're not called to respond like the world responds to hardships. We're called to be different. We're called to respond in love, and love is a choice. The greatest act that we can possibly do is to show love. Our Savior had a choice. He had a choice to come. He had a choice to go through what he went through on the cross and endure that and to be raised from the grave. He chose that rough hard road because he loved you and because he loves others. But I'll tell you this, if you're driven by hate and not love, you'll absolutely make bad choices. Let's get back to Jonah. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Here you have a bunch of people on a boat that don't know God, who don't know Jesus, who are afraid and calling out to their own gods. They're doing everything that they know how to do, and, and, and they're do, doing everything that, that they can possibly do to save their lives and the lives of the others on the ship. They were throwing their cargo off of this boat to try to lighten the load to make it through this storm. Do you realize they were throwing away their livelihood? And in some cases, maybe throwing away their freedom for survival. Because that cargo is not theirs. They're transporting cargo for somebody else to another destination. Who's going to pay for that? It's these guys on the boat who are responsible some of them would have to go into indentured slavitude to, to these people who they owed money to. But they're willing to do that because they realize, hey, we might be dying here. It's a serious issue as they throw this cargo into the, into the ocean. So where is Jonah? Where is the man of God? Where is the pastor, the preacher, the man who knows God? What's he doing? How is he serving? Let's go back into the scripture, verse 5. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you be sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Jonah is sleeping. 
You know, we know another character in the Bible who fell asleep during a storm. His name was Jesus. But I want to tell you why Jesus was able to sleep through the storm and why Jonah was able to sleep through the storm are two very different things. Jesus fell asleep in the boat because he was confident. He knew God. He's Jesus. You can have great confidence in the middle of a storm when Jesus is in your boat. I mean, after all, Jesus walks on water. He's the greatest life preserver of all time. I want Jesus on my boat if we're in the middle of a storm. That's confidence. That's why Jesus could take a nap on the boat in the middle of the storm. He's confident. He controls the winds and the waves. He knows the outcome already. But Jonah fell asleep not because of confidence, but because of ignorance. He's ignorant. He's ignorant to everybody else. He's all about himself. After all, these people didn't know his God. He just knew, I know God, and that's good enough. So he just goes to sleep. He doesn't care about what's happening. He's not serving and trying to help. He's asleep. He's surrounded by unbelievers, doing all that they could do to get this ship through the storm. Jonah has all the answers that these people could possibly need, but yet he is asleep at the wheel, a missed opportunity. And you know what? He's not even praying. We'll come back to that point in a moment. Verse 7, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. So basically, they drew straws, and the, the short straw went to Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Here's the interesting thing. These people are acting more like Christians than the Christian on the boat. They're like, we want to know your story. We want to know what's going on in your life. We want to know you. So maybe we can find the answers that we need. Jonah, this great preacher, this great man of God, this person who's supposed to be serving the Most High God, doesn't even stand up and take responsibility. He's hiding until he possibly can't do it anymore. A missed opportunity for leadership. Verse 9, he answers, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of the heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified these men aboard the boat. They asked, what have you possibly done? They knew he was running, running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. How is it possible that the people on the boat seem to be acting more like followers of Christ than the man who actually knows God? When you're running from God, that's never a good thing. And believe me, it gets worse. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do? What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. You maybe have never noticed this before. Jonah still hasn't prayed. The last conversation he had with God was, hey, go to Nineveh. I want to do some ministry there. I want to see this place get saved. That's the last conversation. Jonah hasn't had a conversation with God. He's just making things up. Throw me off the boat. Throw me in the water. 
How sad. He's more willing to die by his misaligned belief and hatred of Nineveh than to talk with God and make things right in his own heart. Jonah doesn't have a real conversation with God until he's in the belly of a fish. That's really messed up. He's kind of thinking, hey, you know what? We, it's better for me to commit suicide than to have a conversation with God and possibly have him change my heart and mind. That's where he's at. How hard was his heart? Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. These guys didn't want to throw him over. They didn't want to commit murder. They were like, man, we kill this guy who knows God. What happens to us then? But they couldn't get back to shore. The sea grew even wilder and more windy, just like, we told you we were bringing the illustrations that we couldn't do inside, all right? We don't have a boat and rockets, but, you know, God's taking care of the special effects today for us. Here they are, and they can't possibly get back. The storm grows wilder. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows to him. Wow. These guys are having a better experience with God than the man who's supposed to be bringing the word of God. And then, again, these guys on the ship seem to be acting more like Christians than the Christian himself. They didn't want to throw him in the ocean. They didn't want to commit murder. They did all that they possibly could, and they even lifted their voice in prayer to the one true God. They're not praying to their gods anymore. They're praying to the God. They're willing to pray, but Jonah isn't. Messed up. You jump to the end of the story, Jonah goes to Nineveh. He obeys the Lord, but he does it kind of in a half-hearted way. And guess what happens? This entire city gets saved. They repent. This amazing thing's happen. And you know what Jonah does? He throws a pity party. Throws a pity party. Complains. God's response to him is found in a statement in Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from the left hand? They don't know any better. See, when people are stuck in sin, they don't know. They don't know the right from the left. They don't know what's right and wrong. They're stuck. They're stuck in this stuff because they don't know Jesus. Can I tell you, Jesus loves people. He loved Jonah. He loved the people on that boat, and he loved the people in Nineveh. Jesus loves the people at your workplace, on your school campus, in your neighborhood, and across the globe today. And the question Jesus is asking is, who will go for me? Who will go for me? Who will stand up and be counted as a servant of the Savior? Who will go for Jesus? Because I want you to know he's sending you today. 
And he's just not sending you to the people that you get along with and the people that you automatically love by default. He's sending you to the people that you don't like. He's sending you to the people who have different values, who look different than you, who act different than you. He's sending you to them. He's sending you. He's not sending somebody else. He's sending you. He's sending you. People with different values, different beliefs, different race, different cultures. He's sending you. I got a newsflash for you. Jesus isn't sending you to the saved. He's sending you to the sinners. He's not sending you to people whose lives are all put together and perfect and amazing. He's sending you to people whose lives are heartbroken. They're dealing with pain and frustration. They're messy. He's sending you. This morning, I want to ask you, would you be a friend with someone? Would you have someone sit at your dinner table who's transgender? What about homosexual? What about a different race or a different political affiliation? Are you willing to befriend somebody? See, I think the problem that the church has had is, is we, want, we want people to get saved. We want people to be saved coming in. We don't want people to be ugly and messed up and have all these issues. And we're so quick to just like, we just want to tell you about Jesus. We give you a choice and you deny, okay, well, then I'm off and running. And we've never done life with them. Look at the example Jesus set. Jesus goes to the woman at the well, a woman who's lost, a woman who has been going from, from one love relationship to another, finding love in all the wrong places, has no friends, goes to the well when no one else is there because the people in that community shun her because of her behavior. Jesus shows up and builds a relationship and wants to know about her life. I want to know about you. I want to know where you come from, the things about you. He's engaged because he cares, because he loves. And too often the church has said, we love you at a distance, but I don't want to get to know you. If we're going to love people, we got to get to know them. we got to know their story. I spent six years on a secular college campus, and guess what? All those lists of people that I just talked about, we had at our dining room table. We fed them. We got to know them. I had a Muslim couple that we grew friendship with, had them over to our house, respected one another. They'd ask me questions about Jesus. I'd ask them questions about where they came from and their religion. You know what was amazing? Some of those people came to know Jesus as their Savior. Their lives got turned around. The Holy Spirit convicted them of their sin because I didn't preach at them. I want you to know that as a pastor. I don't go after people. I don't go, oh, man, I see what Adrian did this week. I'm bringing a message for him. Pounding with the word of God. I don't do that. I seek God to go, Lord, what are you wanting to speak to your people? Because that's what I want to speak. Because if I don't, the only thing that I'm good at is not bringing conviction. It's bringing shame. And that is not what the kingdom of God is about. There is no person in this place whose job it is to bring conviction. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to show people Jesus. Our job is to show people the word, just not with the words we speak, but with the action and the heart of service that we're to bring to this community, to your workplace, to your campus. And people will notice. People will notice. Ah, pastor, we can't do that. That's endorsing their sin. I heard that before. 
I'm not justifying someone's sin behavior by building a friendship with them. Jesus didn't become unclean by touching the unclean. He went to the lepers. He laid hands on them. He wasn't afraid to get his hands messy because their life, his life was about God, him. It was about the truth. If you're living in the truth, if you're living for Jesus, guess what? You don't, it's not like it's contagious. My principles don't get changed because I have a friend who sees life different from me. It's okay. It's okay. Somebody has to go for God to the people who need God the most this morning, who have no clue. I don't know who's in our parking lot today, but I'd wager at least half of you have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm excited to help you continue to grow. But guess what? When the bell's over and we go home and we get to heaven, we got all of eternity to hang out with each other. But there are people right now in this community who do not know Jesus. And if the bell is rung and life is over, we never get to see them again. And that's not good enough for me. That's not good enough for me. I'll close with this thought. Everybody has a platform in which to share Jesus. Have you ever thought about this for a moment? How in the world did Jonah, this guy who's a missionary, shows up? How did he get a platform to even share with all these people and to see the city transform? Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit did something amazing. When he got up and spoke, obviously, there was something amazing that happens. And I'm convinced of this. My worst message that I preach, that, that I, I, go, I go, I leave this pulpit or leave this place, and I go, that was the worst message I've ever preached in my life. People will call me that week or say things to me. They'll be like, that was the best message you ever preached, Pastor. I, I firmly believe that something happens after I speak certain things and what you hear. Sometimes they're not the same thing. Somewhere in between, the Holy Spirit has done something. I'm convinced of that. But I want you to know that God gave Jonah a platform. I found this incredibly interesting. Do you know what God they served in Nineveh, their main God? Their main God was Dagon. And Dagon was the fish God. And he looked in the artwork that you see of this this false God who's not alive, who has no power. He was a man who looked like a fish. This is God's irony. Jonah gets swallowed by a fish and spit out on a beach. He's a man that came from a fish. He walks into that town. Somebody saw this, walked into town and like, dude, this dude got spit out by a giant fish on the beach. It lined up with the things that they knew about. And then Jonah starts talking about the real God, the real God that has power. God gave him a platform in which to share. I love God's sense of humor and irony. I want you to know, you don't have to have a microphone, a tent, or to sit in a parking lot to have a platform to share Jesus with people. God has given each and every one of you a platform. This season, the greatest opportunity I've had to show Jesus, to serve people, to come alongside people who are hurting, hasn't been here on this property. It's been because I bought a dog. I've built probably 50 or 60 new relationships over the last few months. My wife and I are mentoring like 12 different people, walking them through life issues right now that don't attend our church, but who need Jesus and need light in their life. You've got a platform. 
whether you're a student on a campus or you're in a workplace or in your neighborhood, there's a platform God gave you to serve and to show the love of Jesus. I hung out with Jeremy yesterday, just shared a story with me about a man that came walking by his neighborhood who was in need, who was hurting. And Jeremy opened up his house and said, hey, hey, do you need something to drink? Let me get you a bottle of water. The guy came by and he goes, man, I I really could water your trees if you know what I'm saying. Jeremy's like, you want to come in and use my restroom? And they began to have a conversation. Jeremy began to want to know about this guy, ask questions to know about him. And as they were talking, began to be able to share with him what, what gave him hope how he was able to overcome some of these same, same problems in his life and how Jesus has changed his life. Because Jeremy cared, he showed him love. He wanted to get to know him. Are you willing to get to know the people that God is putting in your path? That's real discipleship. That's real evangelism. That's real ministry this morning. You got a choice. Every morning when we wake up, we can be like Jonah, and we can think we got it all figured out, and we can walk in spiritual arrogance, or we can walk like Isaiah and say, God, I know you got a plan today. You may take me to places that aren't easy. You may take me to people that are hard to reach, but God, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do whatever you're asking me to do. It might be difficult. It might be hard. I might fall down. I might stumble but I'm willing. Worship team, if you'd come back, I want to close in prayer today. If you're here in this place today, maybe you've never been to a church service before. You're like, this is crazy stuff. I'm passionate about Jesus. I love my Savior because he rescued me and he continues to rescue me. I find myself in messes all the time that are are, are far bigger than myself, some by my own doing and some that have nothing to do with the choices I've made. But Jesus is so faithful to walk with me, to talk with me, to give me the tools I need to continue on. But most importantly, he rescued me from my sin. He changed me. And he's continuing to change my life and to change the lives of others that are here. The people of Nineveh had no idea. They thought they understood who God was. They thought he was this fish god guy, Dagon. But they found out that no, that's not not who God is. This morning, maybe you thought you knew who God was, but maybe you don't really know Jesus. But he wants to know you today. He wants to know you. He wants to to care about your life. He wants to walk into every part of your life and do life with you. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm not perfect. My life falls apart all the time. Jesus, I want to step out. I want to get to know you, the real, true Messiah, the real, true Savior, the one who can save people from the messes and the muck that they're in. Lord, if you could save Jonah, this this crazy, self-righteous guy who throws himself off a boat, you rescue him with a fish, you still use him to do great things. I know you can do great things in my life. 
So Jesus, I take a leap of faith today. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again, and that you're calling me this morning to a relationship with you. So Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you change my life? Would you rescue me? Would you show me what's possible with a relationship with you? If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, whether you're online, here in the parking lot, or you're hearing in the boonies out there somehow, let us know you made a decision for Jesus. We want to come alongside you and celebrate that decision. For the rest of us this morning, let's pray to have the right heart, to make some new friends, and to share Jesus with the people in our community that need to know who Jesus is. Lord, make us like Isaiah. Make us willing to follow. Make us willing, God, to, to go down the journey and the roads. We never could have imagined a few years ago to be outside preaching outdoors in the middle of a pandemic. And with the whole world going crazy, you know what they need? They need some people to stand up and show who Jesus is. He's a firm foundation. He's the truth. He walks with us. He talks with us. He does life with us. Lord, help us. Jesus, help us to be your people in this hour, when it's the darkest, when it's the most confusing, when the ground feels like quicksand. God, to trust in you and to be your people. God, we need to make new friends. Friends that aren't like us, that don't look like us, that don't act like us. To show, to intellectually love on them. Just not to say we're doing this for Jesus, but God, to have our hearts turned to be more like you. To learn how to love people to get to know their stories, to walk with them. And God, through that process, be able to shine a light, to be able to share Jesus first by serving, and then with our words. Lord, help us to be like Jeremy this morning, the example he set. Lord, to be able to share the food of our, off our table, to, to share our restroom, to to share our lives with people who need to know you. Help us be real, God. And God, bring in a harvest. This season that we're in, it's difficult. It's stormy. It's windy. But God, there's fruit to be had. There's a harvest still to be brought in. God, we want to see a harvest of people who are turning their lives over to Jesus in our community. We pray for ripping our surrounding communities. God, move. And help us be, Lord, the vessels that walk out of this place and take Jesus to our city. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, well, hey, before we blow away this morning, how about we do two more worship songs? Michael, pray over our offering. You can give as you leave. There's still great opportunities, church. Invite someone to drive in church next Sunday. We're going to have a great service. Whether it's windy, whether it's raining, whether it's snowing, we're going to bring God's word somehow out here next Sunday. I love you, church. Keep living for Jesus. Amen? Mike, lead us one more time. Hallelujah. We'd like to sing a song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And the altar in the Bible was a place where the people would come to meet with God. And hopefully you've had that opportunity today. And as we sing, let's meet with God and respond to his word today. Are you hurting and broken within? Over 
Leave behind your regrets. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is Bear your 
cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Jesus is calling. Hallelujah. Hannah and I'd like to tell you about our favorite person. Let me tell you about Hannah. My Jesus. Amen. Here we go. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't save Let me tell you about my Jesus his love is strong and His grace is free And the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me Let me tell you about my Jesus And let my Jesus change your life Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah Tears from broken dreams and wasted years until the past to disappear. Oh, and let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would go and undo if you could. Who can work it all for your good? Let me tell you about my Jesus, He makes a way.
just thank you for this day. Lord, thank you that we could come outside and make a joyful noise and let all the earth sing his praises. It says all creation will give you praise, Lord God Almighty, creator of the heavens and earth. And Lord, as we go, may we uh, give our, our offerings, our gifts. It's not only the money that we give, but giving of our hearts. The apostle Paul said, uh, I believe to the Corinthians, that first he saw them give of themselves, of their heart, or maybe it was the Galatians, but some of the people he ministered to, that he went to, that he shared the gospel with, that saw their lives changed by Jesus. He said, give first of your hearts, and then whatever you give will be an acceptable gift of offering to God. So as you go today, May you be blessed by the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Amen. Hallelujah. cross to Calvary and pay the price for all my guilty 
Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Jesus. 